This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks for joining us on our latest podcast. The League Championship Series are going to be getting later today. We're going to get into that in a moment. You're also going to hear on the podcast from Rafaela Amador Fink, who was part of the relief mission the Rays did in Puerto Rico. And we're going to hear from Brandon Lau, who's one of the Rays who's in the Arizona Fall League. But let's get to the baseball that's going on now. Good to see Andy Freed. And we do this in person, which is a, a rarity during the off season. How are you? Good, let's have lunch uh, as soon as we're done with this. I think we should sit down and have a nice lunch and let's rehash every single game of the 2017 season. And and, and maybe the uh, championship series, too, uh, the divisional series, which I think they've been good. I, I don't know if the quality of baseball has been that great. I mean, I was shocked to see Cleveland commit that many errors. And game five of the NLC, uh, NLDS between the Cubs and Nationals kind of sloppy. Well, you know, I've said this for a while. I mean, the more rounds of playoffs you add, the more watered down the playoffs get. I mean, I, I would still say, though, that, that I think that the teams in the American League are way better than the teams in the National League, except for perhaps the Dodgers. I mean, the Rays split four games with the Cubs. I can't say I was overly impressed with them. Now, we saw them probably not at their overall best, uh, but I thought they were a good team, definitely a good team. I felt like they were missing something. Maybe part of that is coming off the uh, the offseason or the uh, you know after the winning the World Series. But the Nationals, what pressure do they play in this year? None until that series. They're playing the Marlins. They're playing the Braves. They're playing rebuilding teams, the Phillies all year. So they won, what, 97 games with very little pressure. You put a little pressure on it, sometimes teams collapse. And they did not play well in that division series whatsoever. And now you look at the American League, I think four of the five teams were better than probably four of the five teams that are in the National League right now. So I, I think the American League series have been very compelling. I'm, uh, I'm happy for the Astros. And I, you know, if it weren't the Yankees, I'd say that they're a very likable team. I mean, they're, they're hard not to like. I really like the way they play. And tell me you didn't think, and I will speak for Dave Wills too, because we all go through this together. When Brett Gardner was up at bat, I knew he was going to get a hit. Somehow, someway, he'd foul a bunch of pitches off. We've seen that at bat. How many times over the last couple of years? And the series really changed on the tenor of a homer that didn't go into Andy Land <laughs> because Francisco Lindor hit it to Aaron Judge. I mean, that kind of changed the, the tempo and the, and the way the whole series went. And can, I mean, look, I like Aaron Judge. How do you not? He's a very likable guy. But can we stop saying that this was some incredible catch? It, it wasn't. He went back to the wall in the only ballpark where that would have been a home run. It just kind of reached up and caught it. But there's... You know, this lathering over this incredible catch. It wasn't that incredible a catch, but look, he made the catch. That's the ballpark. It shouldn't have been a home run anyway. So the Indians blew it. I mean, there, there's nothing. I, I think back to the 2010 Rays and how good that team was and how bummed out we all were when that team lost to the Rangers in the division series because I think the Rays were as good a team as the Rangers. And I'm sure the Indians are going through that right now thinking what might have been. It hurts. I, I, 
I'll agree with you to a point. Did they blow it, though, when they didn't have a lead in any of the three games? I mean, I, I would more think they blew it if they were, let's say, in the position where the Yankees were in game two, where they had an 8-3 lead in, in game three, four, five, and, and lost it. They never even led. Right. No, I, I, the only reason I say they blew it is because they had a two games to nothing lead, and all they had to do was win one out of three. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Look, Greg Bird hit a home run of Andrew Miller. And that one was a legit home run. I mean, that was not a Yankee Stadium home run. That was legit. The Yankees earned it. Uh, I, I, I feel happy for them. In a, I feel that Joe Girardi must have said uh, something to some higher power after he admittedly did not uh, challenge the one playing game two. Almost like Ned Yost, who made a mistake in 2014 uh, in the wild card game, went back uh, and said a prayer or something and said, if, if you let me get away with this one, I'll, I'll never make him that mistake again. I think Girardi had the same sort of moment. It's almost the yin and yang because you had uh, Joe Girardi, whose team backed him and was able to get through it. And then on the other side, you have John Farrell, who obviously didn't get backing from his pitchers because they didn't perform well. He's out. Girardi might have lost his job if they got swept. And will Dusty Baker lose his job because of Jose Lobaton and, and the replay situation the other day? But uh, anyway, I mean, I, I find it strange about the Farrell situation because the guys won 93 games, back-to-back -back years, won back-to-back -back division titles. And because he lost a best of five, you're going to you're going to cost the guy's job. I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for him in that sense. But look, I mean, Dombrowski has did not have any sense of, I don't know, ownership of the young guys that he traded away, nor should he, because he's a new guy to their system. So he probably felt that way about Farrell. He wants his own guy in there, and why not? He's the GM, and as we know, the Red Sox will flip on you very, very quickly. We've seen that with them do that on employees, and they just did it to their manager who last got them a World Series. And on that end, I mean, to me, Houston was a better team. I mean, to me, they've got slightly better talent, more guys in their prime, and they were a little better. I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, it's funny to think that the, the Rays won four of seven against the Astros, but, boy, we caught them at the right time in August. They, they didn't have Correa. They didn't have Springer. They didn't have a bunch of guys. But, you know, top to bottom, uh, they're absolutely as talented as a team gets. And with all this Rookie of the Year talk, you don't hear much about Yuli Gurriel. You should. The guy's fantastic. He shouldn't win the Rookie of the Year, but he should be in the top three probably. The guy meant a ton to that team. He plays different positions. And he swings at everything and makes contact with everything. So, I, I, you know, you can move him all around. And he's anything but a rookie. He was a star in Cuba, but under the rules, he's classified as a rookie. They're a very talented team. It seems to me, when we were there right around the trading deadline and they didn't make a move to add a pitcher, Keuchel uh, spoke out. Uh, there was a, a sense of frustration within that group. And then they got Verlander, and it seems like they're, they're thinking the sky's the limit. It should be a great series. I think it should, too. Here's, you know, and I blogged about this um, earlier in the day. My difference between the two teams is the strikeout. The Astros were at the bottom of the league in strikeouts. The Yankees struck out a ton against Cleveland. Houston has swing and miss in their pitching staff, just like the Yankees do. To me, that's the one edge I give Houston in this series. And why I'll pick them in seven, I don't know what you think, but that's, to me, the little difference between these clubs because they have good bullpens, good staffs. Yeah, I would agree. The, you know, the thing that's surprise me and you know this and Dave knows this from from watching the Yankees I, I, I can't believe the innings they get, ended up getting from their starters and uh, I don't think they went into that series planning on that but Severino goes seven Tanaka goes seven Sabathia was phenomenal until he hit a wall but they're okay with that they, they weren't disappointed taking him out and getting their bullpen they were fresh and ready to go I mean Chad Green and David Robertson and 
what in the world is going on with Batanzas? I don't know, but he still has potential to be good, and Chapman's been great for multiple innings. But, I, I, boy, I don't know if I have a prediction. I'll just go with Houston because I want them to win. Yeah, I think the sentimental favorites, obviously, with Harvey. And, look, we like Todd. We, we'd like to see Todd get sure. back to the World Series, too. And he's someone we know. And um, what about the National League? I mean, I, I hate to s- I think the Dodgers are going to win convincingly, whether it was the Cubs or Nationals after watching that set. I mean, could the Dodgers not have uh, been more excited about what ended up happening in the the division series? I mean, uh, the teams beat up on each other. Both look like flawed teams. Both look like talented teams, but flawed teams. Probably the better team in the Cubs won, I would think. Uh, But, you know, that last game, game five, I mean, when's the last time we saw Joe Madden kind of get to the point where he wasn't sure what else to do except bring in his closer with seven outs to go which by today's day and age I mean he had confidence in no one else I thought when he got I thought when he brought Davis in for the seventh he might go seventh eighth he wasn't going to think about going ninth but he did and it worked uh, but I, I would have to think the Dodgers have the edge you know the Dodgers and all those West Coast teams to, to us at least to me get a little hidden because they're playing so late I know the stars on their team, you know, Seager and Bellinger and adding Darvish was phenomenal and and, uh, uh, Jansen's a great closer. But uh, I'm going to, at least in my mind, be learning about the Dodgers a little bit more as this year goes along. And shame on me for not knowing more about them. But they're talented. They're good. Joe against Andrew. Hey, let's let's see it go seven. I'm excited. I'll I'll pick. I'll go uh, Dodgers in six just because I think they've been that good. And I think the Cubs not trusting anyone other than Wade Davis, I think, is going to hurt them in the in this series. The one thing I didn't ask you about, because we haven't spoken since the much since the season ended, the changes in the race staff and there's still obviously there there are additions to come i was excited for charlie excited for kyle snyder but look it is the end of an era so to speak with jim hickey who we, we knew well and, and tom foley in a different role well absolutely i mean uh, i can't help but think that you look at two veteran coaches uh ending their time with the rays uh, and it seemed like it was mutual on both sides. I, I get the sense that the Rays could be on the verge of doing some different kind of stuff in 2018 with the way they use their pitchers. And, and I don't, I, I'm completely speculating on that because I have not spoken to Hickey or Foley. We've texted that, you know, I'm not going to s- speak for them. But I can't help but wonder if the Rays are going to try some different things and maybe it was time to get some fresh blood in there. Look, it was hard when Joe left, but that was nine years. And same thing with Jim Hickey and Tom Foley there longer. You look around the league, guys don't last usually even that long. So, I mean, how many years was Tom Foley the longest tenured third base coach? Uh, So I can totally understand if he wants to get off the road a little bit. I mean, sometimes I think about it, too. How many years can you do? It's much more of a physical toll on you than than people may realize, the the constant travels. So, you know, it's not to complain. But, look, he's no youngster, and he'll still have a role. And Jim Hickey has been great, and I know you and, and Dave and I, the fact that he's always willing to, to talk to us and explain things unfiltered, I think is just a wonderful quality and wish both of them the very best of luck and very happy for Charlie. You know, when you have a guy that's paid his dues as he has, I love, I love seeing him get a chance to be a bench coach. And we'll get to know Kyle yeah. very soon, and there have been great things said about him. All we've heard is great stuff. To this moment, I haven't met him heading into the offseason. I know you have, and, and we only hear great stuff from the guys that come up. So, look, if he's, if he's as open as Jim Hickey was with us, we'll very much enjoy having him around. Andy, good stuff. Let's enjoy lunch, and we'll certainly be talking a lot this offseason. And listen to the podcast, too. Thanks. Good stuff from Andy Freed on the baseball side, certainly for this week in Rays baseball. It's been a big week off the field, too, as the Rays were part of a, a relief effort in Puerto Rico. And joining us now is the Senior Director of Public Affairs for the Tampa Bay Rays, Rafaela Amador-Fink. 
first of all, tell me how all of this came about and, and how difficult it was to put together. Thanks, Neil. We were, uh, we had been watching, after having gone through Irma, we had been watching Maria's Path and we knew, um, it was, it had set its sights on Puerto Rico, um, and so many of us have family here at the Rays. As, as you know, our bench coach, Charlie Montoya, and his family, um, another f- uh, person in baseball ops, you know, c- people in the organization um, have family there, myself included. And we knew that we were going to need to do something. We just didn't know how bad it was going to be. Um, and then after the hurricane hit, uh, many of us lost contact with our family members. And Moffitt. Uh, cancer center actually called us their partner of ours and wanted to know if if we had a plane that we that they could use uh and we were still in the middle of our last homestand and so um we were not focused yet on any kind of flights but when we heard the need we kind of put that in the back of our mind to try to figure out as we move forward with our plans what what was going to happen um then janet cruz the state representative in a state representative in Tampa, she called us and asked us for some funds to help um, do a relief mission to Puerto Rico because she had just returned from the island. Uh, after speaking with um, our team president Brian Ald and Matt Silverman, uh, I was given the green light to perform a humanitarian mission, basically. Uh, It was one of those things that came together very, very quickly. Um, But I think mostly out of just love for our people and the fact that we're an employees first organization and we knew that there were people affected here, but also uh, Moffitt with their cancer patients that needed to get off the island. And really, you know, aside from the people, the most important thing, there were these um, there's this Hispanic cancer research that was being done in Puerto Rico in cooperation with Moffitt, and those tissue samples needed to get off the island. Those tissues represented a decade's worth of work that um, would have been lost, and you know, developments in cancer would not be made with that segment of the population. And so you know, there's a greater need than, than just us, but it certainly came from a place where all of us could come together and do something great. To be able to be part of this, how touching was it personally? I think um, when you have the ability with an organization like the Rays to make an impact, um, because we are employees first, because we care so much about what we do and our people, um, it it was obviously deeply personal. Uh, I saw a family member that I had not been able to get in contact with. Uh, I spoke to her on the, the Saturday before we took off and told her that we were going to have a flight and, you know, it was going to be there. And if, if my grandfather wanted to get off the island, for example, he could, um, or anyone else for that matter. And, you know, they, they committed to stay, but I did bring some batteries and other things um, for them. It's just one of those things where you realize how lucky you are to be in an organization like this where, where there, when there is a great need, there's not a second thought. It's just, you know, the ability to make it happen is so, so incredible. What visually stands out from the trip? Because you were on it, um, and and how quick moving was everything, the process? So we were on the ground for about two and a half hours. Um, and, you know, in a, in a normal city, that's, that's a sm- small amount of time. But when we, we got in off the airplane, we um, were able to start the – the folks at the airport were able to start getting the cargo off while those of us went – some of us went to the um, – 
medical school. Others went into town. Um, we tried to see as much as we could. And I, I spent many, many summers in Puerto Rico visiting my grandmother and grandfather. And um, it's the need is so great. Um, it's a shell of what it used to be. There, if you can imagine, we you know we drive through intersections and honk our horn <laughs> because there's no tra- traffic lights. Right? There's the things that you normally encounter. Um, just things that you take for granted every day are gone. And so having witnessed that, we went to the medical school, we went to a clinic and saw people waiting in line for medication because they couldn't get medication um, because stores are not open regular hours anymore, right? Because people can't travel, because you can't get gas to get in your car to go get the things you need. And um, it's awfully brown, I would say, too. Just the trees in in a place, like I said, where I spent many summers it's green and beautiful and luscious and it's very tropical and um it is not that anymore and I know it will get back there I know that that it will recover um it just having been on the ground for two and a half hours it was perhaps the longest two and a half hours I've had in a long time and I would guess that obviously the rays have been very active since it happened um how touching was it, too, to see uh, the Cedeno family come off, the Montoyo family come on um, for you? They, they're they such great people. I mean, I <laughs> uh, Charlie's mother and father hugged me <laughs> many, many times and told me how, how important this was for them and how meaningful and thanked us and thanked, you know, wanted me to thank everyone at the organization who pulled this together. There are um, – it was – life-changing I mean to have Cedeno go down and stay with his family is such an admirable thing uh and and I understand there's a there's a part of me that deeply understands why you would go to stay and be there and help help rebuild to the extent that you can um I you know I feel like there's a part of us now that are all connected as a family for having gone through this and the Rays obviously are helping a lot. They helped the weekend before the season ended. They obviously helped with this relief mission. Our fans can still help if they're able to, right? They can do so through the through the links the Rays have set up, correct? Yeah, so there's a way to donate um, financially, which is com slash Rays Hurricane Relief. And um, certainly we have that on all of our social media channels. There's also um, an organization in Tampa that is still collecting supplies. People can just drive up and drop off. It's called Course of Action Puerto Rico. Um, And I I do want to just thank them. They, Evilio Otero, a gentleman over there who's running that organization, former military um, colonel, he handled all of the cargo logistics for us. I mean, packing and loading and things that, you know, just just because we asked and he said yes. Uh, I know they have warehouses of supplies that they are coordinating and um, sorting through. And so people can still do that. They can still drop off things over there. Um, it's off of Lois in Tampa, Lois and Gandy um, in Tampa. And again, the youcaring.com slash raise hurricane relief. Great way to donate as well. I just want to thank um, Moffitt Cancer Center for their work in this and USF who brought some medical supplies. Um, also state representative Janet Cruz and mayor Rick Kreisman. Um, there are people that did things in this course of action, uh, Puerto Rico again, they, that really helped. I mean, people, for example, even just Tampa international airport, Chris Minner and Janet Scherberger over there, they were, 
um, great to work with at a moment's notice. Uh, the people at Signature Flight Support and Swift Air, I mean, this came together in such a short amount of time. I mean, on Friday, the Friday before we left, I still didn't have a plane. I finally got an airplane at 1130 at night that evening. So, um, it you know, it's so important how people can come together for a good cause. And then, of course, uh, Stu Sternberg and Matt Silverman and Brian Ald, who really just gave me the keys to say, do whatever we need to do and do it as, as best that we can. Well, it's great work, and I'm glad we could talk about it. And thanks very much for joining us this week. Thank you, Neil. Great stuff from Rafaela Amador-Fink and uh, certainly great stuff from the Rays. And yes, if you can help out, please do so. Obviously, there are a lot of people in Puerto Rico in great need as we speak. Now, as we turn back to the baseball, I thought we'd look at the minor league side a little bit. The Arizona Fall League began this week, and there are seven Rays prospects who are there. Among them is Brandon Lau. Now, Brandon was the MVP for the Charlotte Stonecrabs, and for that matter, he was the MVP for the entire Florida State League. And when the minor league awards were given out, I had a chance to ask Brandon about what made this year so special and the award. I mean, it's an, it's an incredible honor. You know, there were a, there's a ton of talent on our team in Charlotte, and it's incredible just to be the MVP of that team, let alone the entire Florida State League. That was just filled with tons of players that could have won that award. How did you grow as a player and why do you think you had the success you had? It was more just, you know, the preparation coming from last year and you know, getting a full season under my belt and learning what professional baseball is all about really helped me in, you know, getting ready for this year and knowing what to expect. Where did you improve at the plate? Where did, did you grow a lot physically and you think that might have helped too? I think it was more just you know, not getting too up or getting too down, you know, when things weren't going bad, you know, flushing, move on. And in terms of, you know, the kind of success you had, it also led to a double-A promotion. What was that last month like for you? Uh, I was a, just a rush. It felt like it went by so fast, but, I mean, it was, you know, getting out the double-A was a, just an unbelievable feeling, and playing with a new group of guys and getting to meet new people was a great time. How much do you think it helps for next year, too? Because you kind of get a taste of that next level. It definitely helps, you know, getting in and seeing kind of how, what the difference in high A and double A is. And, you know, having that in my back pocket when I go back or, you know, for next year is going to be a game changer. Did you see much of a difference? And if so, what was the difference you saw? Not, not much, in, like, considering in talent. It was more they know how to, you know, they know how to pitch more. They know how to locate all their pitches where in the lower level they didn't do it quite as much. That is Brandon Lau. He's in the Arizona Fall League with infielder Kevin Padlow and catcher Brett Sullivan, along with four pitchers, uh, Birch Smith, Benton Moss, uh, Spencer Jones, and also Roel Ramirez. And you can keep tabs on how they're doing in our blog. That's raiseradio.mlblogs.com. Speaking of uh, being able to keep up, a lot of you decided to keep up today with some tweets that you sent me. I asked you for questions, and you guys were great about doing that, so I wanted to read and hopefully answer a couple of those. Most of them have to do with the Rays roster, and remember that um, it's not until the end of the World Series that the Rays will have openings on their 40 men, and there are probably a couple things at play here. The Rays are going to have what I would consider to be a fairly tight 40-man roster going forward, and it's going to make for some very tough decisions. In fact, I look at at least six players that the Rays have to protect 
that I would expect they would, and maybe up to nine guys. So it's going to uh, create some limitations. Also, the arbitration figures came out this week, so that also means that the Rays are going to have to be flexible with their roster, and it gets to some of our questions that we received here, like Eric Armetta, who asked, uh, where do you see Taylor Guerrero next season, and could he shift to the bullpen like Ryan Stanek, Jamie Schultz, and Chi Wei Hu? It's certainly an interesting question. I think he's one of those guys that the Rays are going to have to figure out whether they protect or not. He has one more option. Health has been a major issue. They've invested a lot of time. He did end the season healthy. Um, and I think the bullpen could be a possibility, especially if the Rays employ some of those strategies of using a starter for uh, five innings and then maybe having a bullpen guy that goes three, uh, a guy who can go once and change through the, through the order, who throws strikes. And Taylor Gray has always been good at that. So I think that's a possibility. Aiden Pearson ad, asks, will they add a bullpen arm? And I think Surely they're going to add at least a bullpen arm. I think where they're going to add it is the big question uh, because you've got free agents like Sergio Romo and Steve Ciszek and Tommy Hunter. So some of those guys have to be replaced. I think they're going to want to add some veterans based on the games that they lost early in this season. Um, And I think that they're going to do some via free agency, some via trade. Who they add, I think we're probably going to get a better idea as we move through the offseason and see truly what the market is for relief pitching. Um, Danny Russell asked, how many rookies do you think will make the 25 men out of spring training? I think it's too early to guess on that. And a question that was asked by Gio, which was, what's your 2018 rotation and will Brent Honeywell be in it? I think Brent will be in it at some point. But I don't know if they'll be there to start the season. And that really depends on the 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 way the Rays go with their roster here in the offseason um, and how aggressive they are and really what the market is for a lot of their players. But I think those are great questions. I think we're going to get better ideas as we go. And it's probably something we'll discuss in greater detail as we get to uh, and through the World Series. Brett Rutherford asked, what is the status of Jose De Leon? And he ended the season healthy. And that's most important. But the question is, what kind of role could he have next year? And a lot of that is dependent upon who the other options are for the Rays for rotation, and also whether they employ, again, this, um, what we're seeing is, I wouldn't call it quite bullpenning, but teams being more aggressive with the way they use their bullpens going forward, and really kind of a bit of the old school, where you see guys who will go three innings or two innings in a more frequent relief role. But great questions indeed from all of you, and certainly you can engage with me at Rays Radio, at Neil Solons on Twitter. Um, Depending on what happens going forward, um, if there isn't any major news over the next week and change, our next podcast will come right before the World Series. If there is something before that, certainly we'll discuss it with with you on our next podcast, and we certainly appreciate all the guests today and all of your feedback. Enjoy the playoffs as they go, and uh, certainly we'll speak to you soon. Enjoy the baseball. 